Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host Angel, and I don't even—I can't even come up with anything clever to be this week. I'm just Javi. <laughs> and uh, all right, this is it. This is finally it. After this is like the over, hangover. this is like over almost nine months of Star Wars movies at this point. We made a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Not only has this series just. Uh, it's physically aged us like 10 years. <laughs> it's also changed my expectations for the fact that we were really going to continue doing this show long term. And it actually really helped us to keep the show going, the fact that we were tied to the series for so long. Yeah, Angel and I were talking about that before we started this episode. We were talking about how easy it is for us to give up on things. And then, yeah, we've been doing this for almost a year now. Or coming up on a year, right? Yep. We started... Uh, right after the new year in 2019, so we are really approaching a one-year anniversary. So, yeah, this is, wow, a year, and we got a couple people listening on a semi-regular basis, <laughs> people holding it down around the globe, like in Venezuela and Australia. <laughs> um, so, this is it. We're finally here at the Rise of Skywalker. We had our return, the triumphant return of J.J. Abrams after all the... I guess, hate that people had for The Last Jedi. It's hilarious how the like the month leading up to The Rise of Skywalker, it like reignited the hate for The Last Jedi to the point where Ryan Johnson had to go on record and be like, I'm not like I'm not asking any for any apologies. <laughs> you you've read that article, right? No, but it's what I did have a problem, okay, with all the actors from the new trilogy and the people who were involved with the film who were kind of going out of their way to shit all over it in the press. Uh, apparently, a lot of it was taken out of context. Uh, yeah, but still, like, like, like when. But uh, why, why? When Daisy Ridley said she was crying, it was more that she was just so happy to work with um, with J.J. Abrams again. And it wasn't so much a dig at Ryan Johnson. And I think it was one, and because I think Jumbo Yaga came back, came out and talked about how what he said was taken out of context. Sure, but I mean, God, if 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 you're really gonna think that J.J. Abrams is the step above, uh, this <laughs> you sound like just a very foresight or was it hindsight twenty twenty guy? Because when this movie, when this trilogy was first announced, I remember you popped the biggest nerd boner. No, because, okay, I'll put it this way, because I knew J.J. Abrams was doing Force Awakens, but the... And you were like, whoop. Well, the, the idea was always that it was going to be three different directors that did three different films. Oh, that's so J.J. Abrams was always going to do Episode 7, Ryan Johnson was always going to do Episode 8, and as then far they were as like, I knew. And they were like, oh, we fucked up, and now let's go back to J.J. Well, yeah, the, the originally 20, the, the, this movie was supposed to be uh, Colin Trevorrow, who did Jurassic World, oh, and sweet. apparently he had a lot of creative differences with the studio, mm-hmm. and then Lucasfilm ended up going back to, b- between the issues that uh, Colin Trevorrow was having with the studio, and I guess issues that Disney was dealing with because of all the backlash that came out of Last Jedi, I feel like this movie is very much a reverse back to... Pre the Last Jedi. Quick, give Star Wars fans what they want. More <laughs> of the same shit. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I got I got a bit of a problem with that because I, I think it's a little insulting that now we're just all of a sudden gonna 
pull the carriage back so quickly, like, and go in a completely different direction. I'll put it to you this way. <laughs> From the very beginning, the opening crawl that we get of after, you know, during the Star Wars theme, <laughs> it starts with the dead speak, the dead speaks, uh, with, like, an exclamation point, and it's just that one. It's that, like, here you go, fucking nerds. That line's a little corny, and ever since I was watching all the trailers and I heard the laugh of Palpatine, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I thought Palpatine's involvement in this movie was going to be strictly like one scene in the film. <laughs> was going to be like him as a force ghost or as some sort of like just, you know, it was like a one-off scene mm-hmm. that they were just using for marketing purposes. I never expected the fact that we were really going to make Palpatine the main villain of, of this. the entire fucking franchise. <laughs> Yeah, that's that 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 happened. That was a thing. This immediately starts, and I, it's just it's such a radical. Like this is what I was talking to my wife about on the way back. Okay, you and I watched this movie together. Mm-hmm. We watched it in IMAX. Yes, we were. Yes, I paid twenty fucking dollars <laughs> to watch it in IMAX. Okay, but it looked really good in IMAX. I could count Daisy Ridley's nose hairs. Yes, <laughs> she was like. Here you go, and flaring her nostrils. I just, I had, I expect a lot of Ray impressions because this is gonna be my last chance for a while. <laughs> Maybe last chance ever because none of the cast of this film is really planning on coming back. Yeah, again. John Boyega, uh, Oscar Isaac, and Daisy Ridley were pretty much like they were very vocal about their ending their. I don't know, performances? Well, I get it. Oscar Isaac is now in Oscar circles at this point. Like, he he, he does, like, prestige films. So does Adam Driver. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And They're pretty much Jennifer Lawrencing up. And <laughs> how, apparently, she's too good to go back to anything remotely what made her famous. I mean, you know, something... Which, something... I'm on, that's only fresh in my mind because I just watched Dark Phoenix. Yeah. And much like Han Solo, felt like she was trying really hard to get out of that. Well, the funny the funny thing is, I feel like there's a lot of instances where actors try to get out of a role because they feel like they've outgrown it or they're too big for it. <laughs> Fuck you, Harrison Ford! You still came back for this one. <laughs> and their careers don't tend to go in the direction that they anticipated. Tobey Maguire, cough cough. <laughs> so they end up coming back. I'm trying to think who else needed who else joined a franchise just as a fucking disgusting cash grab. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the Halloween franchise, and I'd probably say, I'd probably not blame Jamie Lee Curtis, but I think Jamie Lee Curtis kind of does that. I, I guess the difference is, it, when it was the 90s and she was coming back to do H2O, all of the interviews that she did gave me the impression that she thought she was way above this series and kind of came back to throw it a bone, to kind of like... I mean, pretentiously throw a bone at like. What movie put her above doing another slasher movie? Was it True Lies? True Lies and Trading Places. True Lies was not that (laughs) fucking good. I I love True Lies because it's Garbo Schlock. But she was really a big deal, and she was someone who had, who people had considered had made the step above. Exploitation films, right? And you know, like you said, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence for the longest time looked she like did she did American Hustle, and then she was in some other Oscar-nominated film. She's also just fallen off the map lately. 
in terms of like just the amount of film that she's in. She doesn't seem to be in as much, and I don't know. It's weird. I feel like actors who kind of poo-poo roles that they've had like that mm-hmm. <laughs> tend to tend to. I don't know. It doesn't really go as well for them. I think it's just weird, and this is more just kind of like a, the the culture around filmmaking and shit. I just hate this idea where it's like, you know, there there's certain movies that will never get their due because they are of a certain genre, because they are a certain, uh, and this is not, not a dig at the Academy. I mean, well, yeah, I think all awards are stupid. <laughs> I, I hate when people live or die by that. But, you know, it just really sucks because it's like, yeah, there are a lot of good films that are never going to win Oscars mm. for what XYZ reason. And even on that being said, none of these Star Wars movies, like, are really Oscar contenders. But there are parts of them that I feel do need to be, um, do need to be uh, acknowledged. You know, especially John Williams' fucking amazing score coming coming back. You know, so I I, I don't know. I'm hoping that hopefully in the next couple of years, as more filmmakers. Um, you know what I there's think? There's more millennial filmmakers. <laughs> I think it can change the culture, you know? <laughs> I think the people who have really kind of done the most with this property are John Favreau with The Mandalorian, which is a pretty good series. I like it. Um, I think the two Star Wars prequels that we talked about did a fantastic job. I was one gonna, of the, uh, Star the Wars one stories. The Star Wars stories. And honestly, I feel like this trilogy, if they were going to go with that route, where it was just going to be a series of somewhat connected but disconnected stories i think they would have been a lot more successful than what we got Mm -hmm. because solo was a fantastic film unfortunately disney just kind of left that one out to die and rogue one is kind of set the bar for anything made after the prequel trilogy yeah to be quite honest like i don't think i think since rogue one i don't think we've had a better star wars film Mm mm-hmm and Pretty that much. includes The Last Jedi, which I talk about how much I liked. Yeah, you, like, you like masturbated to it. I saw you. It was creepy. <laughs> um, so this is this this movie starts with uh, <laughs> Kylo Ren just going, murdering a bunch of weird tree people. <laughs> he ends up on this dark planet called Testicle. <laughs> Exical. <laughs> Exical. I heard testicle. <laughs> And that is where he meets Emperor Palpatine. Zombie Palpatine. Yeah, who apparently just like hangs on meat hooks all the time. Now. You know my favorite part is that as like as Kylo is like walking through the weird creepy pyramid lab, you just see like a bunch of spare parts of like Supreme Leader Snoke in all these like weird vats. Oh yeah, because now he is Supreme Leader Kylo Ren. But why is the there Last so Jedi. many Snokes? <laughs> That's well, what I was confused. Well, to by. be honest, I think I think this movie posits the theory that uh, that that, that Pal- Palpatine was Snoke. That Palpatine created Snoke in a test tube and like basically I- <laughs> that is honestly the most interesting part of this movie <laughs> that I kind of want them. I wanted them to like explore you know like i would have much preferred learning about clone snoke i would have much preferred us doing something completely different from all of this yeah true but i want to learn more about the clone guy (laughs) (laughs) because as even though i do love the creepy face that they give snoke now now they give him like the milky white contact eyes and uh are you talking about palpatine 
Yeah, Palpatine. Yeah, and Palpatine's they, got cataracts like a motherfucker. <laughs> and then they like made his voice like sound like the Exorcist, like super deep bass, bass gravelly, and mm-hmm. it's just uh, it basically telling Kylo that he's every voice he's ever heard in his life. So whatever that uh, Vader helmet he was praising, he was praising in uh, A Force Awakens. Is all of it was Palpatine apparently? I Which, was with you all at all times, Kylo. <laughs> so I was just like, "Yeah, he is a Force ghost." No, no, no. He survived the end of Return of the Jedi. Well, remember, he says that in the prequel trilogy, Darth Plagueis found a way to beat death. So honestly, he's probably Darth Plagueis. <laughs> Like it, like it was one of those lines that I was like, "Oh, cool! That like that's a possibility of what you can do with the Force." And then this movie really solidifies it. Oh no, that happened. That is an actual thing. <laughs> well, he did in, in in Revenge of the Sith. He does tell Anakin that he is able to do that, right? Yeah. So and it's not something that's completely out of left field. I just You're just it's... really annoyed that that's the route they went. I do. I am. I. It really feels like, unfortunately, I'll put it to you this way. The Star Wars prequels, for as stupid as they are, that trilogy, for, for as many issues as we've had with that series as we had. All well documented. Go back and check them out. <laughs> yeah. We talked during our Revenge of the Sith podcast that they had a direction and they had somewhere that they were looking to get to. They had a direction for the series and they knew what the end point was. And that was to get Anakin Skywalker to become Darth Vader. And that last half of Revenge of the Sith almost made up for the sh- like five hours of schlock we got to put get through to get there, you know? So it's really interesting that they went there. And it feels like making uh, Palpatine immortal was just being like, Oh, this is suddenly our new destination, guys. Well, that's the thing. It's like this, this new... Trilogy now feels very unplanned, feels very sloppy. Like, they, they did not mention Palpatine in any previous movie. Like, he literally just pops up out of nowhere now. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, just, it doesn't really make any sense, but it's just the story that we're pretty much stuck with, right? Yeah, and then Palpatine, prom- you know, he promises Kylo if they go into a partnership together and bring back the final order... Is what he calls it. Um, you know, they can he can let him rule the galaxy. And he raises an entire fleet of star destroyers and his own like blood red stormtroopers and um pretty much gives him another an entire ass army to be able to, you know, crush the rebel resistance. And I honestly thought this was going to be a callback to Camino, and I honestly thought the planet they were going to be on was actually used to be Camino or something, and that they that they were going to have clones. You know, I thought they were going to bring back the clone subplot, which I would have found very interesting. I think, <laughs> but at the very least, you would have tied it back to the prequel trilogy, right? Because if you're going back for this whole everything's interconnected bullshit, you might as well go balls deep in that. So it was strange that there was no mention of clones or bringing that whole that whole subplot back, you know? Right. So, yeah, we, this planet of Exegol apparently is where the Sith has been pushed to following the prequel trilogy. Mm. Or at least, I guess, following the original trilogy. But 
it's just I don't know. There, there's a tons of. It just was somewhere I did not want to go. And one of the big complaints that you and I had leading up to this movie the whole time was Ray's going to end up being a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And which we weren't technically wrong. Yeah, technically we're not. Uh, yeah. But but you know we find out that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter. And it's like, why? Well, that's the problem. The problem with this entire movie is that despite the fact that she is not Luke's daughter, they pretty much make all the same mistakes that they would have made if she was Luke's daughter anyway. But they were just like, oh, surprise, she's actually the daughter of the evil guy. And it's like, no, you... You still kneecap your character by having her have to stand on, you know, stand on the shoulders of somebody that's already established. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that kind of confuses me a bit too is Palpatine is much older. I mean, Palpatine was much older than than uh, Anakin Skywalker was in the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like Palpatine's got to be much much older than Rey. Like I it, well, that, remember she is his granddaughter. And he lives forever. <laughs> so that means at one point, so he does, someone... He, so he, he was at least... Let's say he was at least 60 in the prequel trilogy. He's at least 120 to 130 years now. Ray is maybe 25? <laughs> so that means Palpatine I mean, may have gotten generous. it on at 105 years old. That means he just shoved his disgrace, like his disgusting schmeckle <laughs> inside of some poor thing. Yeah, I, I just, there's tons of problems that I have with this movie. Honestly, they should have just made her a clone. You know what? <laughs> they should have just made her a fucking clone. How about this? You know what's really funny? When we were coming back from watching this movie, I had the same kind of deal that I had when I came out of Rise of Sky, when I came out of Last Jedi. Last Jedi came out, and I didn't really know how to feel about it. The difference is, with Last Jedi, when I came out, I did have a feeling that it was one of the best ones I'd ever seen. With Rise of Skywalker, I wasn't exactly sure how I felt about the film at all. And it took the conversation that I was having with my wife on the way home from the movie theater for me to realize, I actually don't like this. Spoilers! (laughs) And one of the reasons why is... My wife decided because she, you know, she's only a casual viewer of these Star Wars films. <laughs> she continued at least several times in our conversation. She referred to Palpatine as the grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> and every single time I tried to talk about like a part of the movie that bothered me, I was like, yeah, Palpatine. And then she goes, yeah, the grandpa. And the more she said it. The, the more, more I realized I hated this movie so much. <laughs> because you realize it's a, it's a, such a stupid subplot. You know, oh, I, I was, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. I, I'm a big fan of it, especially with Ray, who you've been doing a pretty decent job of, like, developing her character. Suddenly have her character completely based, like, you know, like, depend on somebody sucks. Yeah. 
All right, so let's let's how about this? Well, we'll do this the same way we kind of did our Revenge of the Sith episode, which Revenge of the Sith we talked about. How do we rate it as the closing of a franchise? And that's exactly what we're gonna do here, kind of like a final, like a series finale. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that it's supposed to be kind of tying everything up. The same thing when we did Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. earlier this year. So this is just taking all the threads that existed and is now starting to tie them up. Uh, when we first see Rey in this film, after we get the initial Kylo Ren scene, we see her on the training. F- training. Is this Endor that we're in? No. So actually, the Resistance has been pushed back to this planet called, um, not. I was about to say Calrissian, but then I realized that's just Lando. <laughs> <laughs> well, because yeah, this so this in the original uh, trilogy, obviously Force Awakens is a lot like A New Hope. There are elements of The Last Jedi that are like The Empire Strikes Back. So, of course, this film is going to have elements in it that are like Return of the Jedi. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. So, I, I think that's why like I automatically assumed that we were in Endor. But, basically, Rey is doing a ton of training at this point. Um, we don't see her... <laughs> surprise, surprise. We don't see her introduced with Poe and Finn. Uh, she is... Doing her own Jedi training while Poe and Finn are on their own mission. So she's also training under Leia. Yes. Which, I'll be totally honest, I like this. I think one of the problems was when they had conceived the sequel trilogy, they were going to have a major character play a big part, from the original franchise, play a big part in each one of the three films. Mm-hmm. The first film was Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Yeah, then it you was, got Mark you Hamill. Mark Hamill as Luke in the second one, which I fucking love. I'm, oh yeah, no, I'm glad they did like, that. Yeah, that was the, really cool. The, the giving Luke the spotlight in The Last Jedi is one of the reasons why it's one of my favorites. Um, it was definitely the best part of The Last Jedi. <laughs> I'm glad we can agree on that. <laughs> but in this film, it was really supposed to be all about Leia. And unfortunately, Carrie Fisher did die in 2016, shortly before... She was done filming her role, or done filming her scenes. She wasn't on the set for this film. A lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that, that was her scenes was done from B-roll footage. Mm, I didn't know From that. other films. And her dialogue was just vague enough so that they could kind of make it seem like it fit here, but not really. Oh, And there's shit. a lot of scenes with uh, Leia where she's kind of facing away from the camera. Like, you know, shots yeah, in the back of her head. Yeah, I saw that. There was a couple of those. And, you know, it's it. I feel like a lot of the stuff around Leia is people talking about her and not really... Really, and not really focused on her period. Yeah. So they did an interesting job of kind of making it seem like she was part of the film. But my understanding is that she really didn't have much to do with this film at all. Because mm. by the time it was already in production, she was unfortunately, unfortunately she was not gone. with yeah. us anymore. So, Which, uh, you know, they, they did a good job of keeping her relevant, keeping her as part of it, and having her be the focus. I give J.J. Abrams a lot of credit for doing this because mm-hmm. right now Disney is going through a phase where they are so happy to just CGI people back to life like they did, you know, in Rogue One yeah. with... Grandma Tarkin. Tarkin. Yeah. And also, they're not the only studio doing this. There's a film that's going to be coming out, I believe, next year. Uh, I forget what kind of... I think it's like some sort of drama that apparently the director was... The only person he could picture playing this role was James Dean. Oh, no. So, 
So he oh, got permission no. from the estate of James yeah. Dean to shoot a film in which CGI James Dean is going to be the star of this film. And I want to watch it just because I want to... I want to watch the train wreck. Exactly. Like... It, is, it, like it, was, it was something that, that broke on Twitter a few months ago that was just shocking and gross to me. That is gross in so many fucking yeah. ways. Which is the fear that you get when people start doing this now, right? Now that you have actors that you can bring back to life with CGI, more people are going to want to do that. I and, really and hope Disney, they don't. Disney didn't originate this either, right? Like mm-hmm. one of the earlier, the, the first time I remember seeing something like that was actually Superman Returns. There's a scene in Superman Returns where Brandon Routh's Superman is in the Fortress of Solitude, and he's watching oh, a, and he's he watching like an old video of Marlon Brando. That's right. And there was, and I had that movie on DVD. So, on the DVD, there was a special feature that showed you how they pulled that scene off. Mm. And all they basically did is they took... I mean, it, it wasn't like they had they to show you the full physically cloned Marlon Brando, <laughs> murdered him. They basically just kind of cut the bottom part of his, of his face, mm-hmm. and they replaced it with the CGI mouth, and they had the CGI mouth say whatever mm, it needed to say. It's so creepy. But they kept the dialogue short, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it's one of those instances where you don't really see it, where you don't really pay that much attention You're to it. You're not noticing how terrifying it is. But now that we are like looking at people that look like living people, Pixar characters is where we're at the more frightening part of this experiment. I can't wait to see just the uncanny valley effect of a like <laughs> not existent James Dean. Like, who are they? Are they gonna have a stand in? Are they gonna credit his stand in? Yeah, <laughs> this raises so many odd questions, dude. Yeah, yeah. oh my god. So, so yeah, Rave pretty much always in need of a mentor mm-hmm. because honestly at this point she gets mentored by all three of the original heroes mm-hmm. whether you know when she learned how to work on the falcon with uh han or she learned how to be a jedi with uh with the skywalkers like it's really interesting that they they continue to feel the need that she has to have these like original characters for support another reason why i wasn't a huge fan, you know hugely excited about this movie Alright, the you know, one thing about this movie that now that I think about it, I'm also not crazy enough. It just becomes MacGuffin Fest, the movie. Yeah. Between looking for the Sith waypoint, then going to what's that planet? But you said you said it. Pasana? Pasana, where the the where the festival is? Yes. To find the dagger and to find that ship, and then I need the dagger to go to go to the fucking death star ruins to I get another say, one it does, i will say this movie does feel like we're going to every single star wars planet that we've seen in previous films yeah like it's like a one last moment because this planet to me really reminds me of naboo on no sorry tatooine on yeah. uh from episode one it does it, <laughs> it gives you tatooine vibes and then the same planet they're on looks like Endor. It probably is Endor for all we fucking know. And then, uh, yeah, and then they go to that other that uh, that ocean planet where the Death Star ruins is, which is like which looks just like Camino. Yeah, like it feels this entire movie is meant to be the best, you know, the greatest hits mm-hmm. of 
of Star Wars, and it's like, you like this beautiful planet? Okay, here we are. Do you want to go back to this planet? Well, here you fucking go. You just open your mouth and eat it, you shits. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, so they end up going there. They end up going to Pasana, this Tatooine-esque desert planet, mm-hmm. which they happen to go... On the day of a 42... No, every 43 years, there's this festival that goes... No, 42 years. And the reason why that that's important... You probably saw it on the, yeah. on the Wikipedia. Because is that the last time... Yeah, 42 years ago, Star Wars... The Star original Wars, the original out. Star Wars came out. So they go to this planet where there's a festival every 42 years. And everyone's all... Looks like a freaking rave. Like there's a bunch of aliens that are dancing in unison. <laughs> And they're trying to find the ship of an assassin, like a Jedi killer, from back during the Clone Wars. Well, apparently this guy was some sort of, like, either Sith sympathizer or something like that. Because he's not a Sith Lord. No, no, no. So I, I'm assuming... He doesn't feel like it, at least. And yeah. he doesn't feel like a bounty hunter like the Mandalorians. Absolutely not. So it feels like he's just, like, an operative for the Empire that goes around killing Jedi. Or hunting down Jedi. Um... And then here, you know, that's when we get introduced or reintroduced to the Knights of Ren. Mm-hmm. And they all look like Kylo Ren, you know, like they all have these really cool black outfits and they're just, their job is to just stand there and look menacing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, this was a, this was a concept that I thought was going to, was, was going to lead to something in Force Awakens, after Force Awakens. Nothing happens. There's absolutely no payoff in The Last Jedi. So on The Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, okay, we are going to see these guys do cool shit. Because like I mentioned to you earlier, for a minute, I thought the the Knights of Ren were the Red Guards in the yeah. lightsaber fight uh, in The Last Jedi. And one of the biggest problems you had with The Last Jedi was that they really moved the focus away from the Knights of Ren, period. It wasn't that necessarily that they moved the focus away. It was more that... They dropped an entire plot point that felt like it was going somewhere. Like, if I had anything to compare it to, I would say, like, Stranger Things, how Stranger Things Season 3 dropped the rest of the MKUltra kids. Mm-hmm. Because apparently that was one of the weakest parts of Season 2 was when Eleven met Khan. And she taught Eleven how to use her powers, and they were going to try to find the rest of the test subjects. And I was like, cool, that is rad. Like, I want to see more of that, too. Turns out I was just me that wanted to see more of that because they completely sidestepped that plot. Mm -hmm. But that's what it felt like Last Jedi did, you know? So, at this point, we see Rey actually manifest... um, she manifests force lightning. She gets into a fight with Kylo Ren in the desert. Using her own lightsaber, she's able to cut down his his uh, his TIE fighter. And she manages to fight, you know, fight him to a standstill. Yeah. Meanwhile... Also, wherever she's going, Kylo Ren is following her. In, essentially because he's able to communicate with her the way that it started happening in Last Jedi. Where they're there like was, teleporting yeah, to it's each some, other? It's some sort of telepathic connection that they both seem to have. But, as you mentioned, her first use of Force Lightning comes from when the First Order finds our heroes who are, you know... Now, thankfully, we do have Rey, Finn, Poe... Everyone's reunited, thank you. I totally, like, fast-forwarded over that. It feels... The thing that feels awkward to me, though, is that, like, it definitely feels like Rey and... 
Poe have very little interaction. Very little interaction, don't and like they just other. don't seem to like each other at yeah. all. So it seems like at moments where they all feel like they have to work together, it feels totally unearned mm-hmm. and not that interesting. Like, we literally just saw Poe meet Rey for the first time at the end of Last Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they break apart, the way they break them apart, too. They break yeah. them apart in a way where Poe's always with Finn, and Chewie's always with Rey. There's another part of this that's nearly unforgivable for me, and I mentioned it before we even started recording this episode, and that is the complete disregard for the character of Rose Tico. Mm -hmm. Now, I mentioned in the last episode, when we did The Last Jedi, that I wasn't crazy about the fact that they were setting them up for some sort of romantic subplot with each other. It just didn't seem to make any sense for me. I wasn't crazy about that. Now, what I didn't expect... Was that they were just completely going to tell her to go fuck herself. Yeah, they did. Like, she essentially just fucks off. They, You know what they did to her? They literally did to her what they did to Jar Jar Binks in Attack of the Clones. Instead of making Jar Jar interesting, <laughs> they just took him off? They just, well, they just, like, were just like, alright, well, everyone thought this character was annoying. So, we'll give you your one scene and make it seem like you kind of matter to us. And then, quiet, get on your way. <laughs> get on out of here. And it's pretty insulting to me because despite the fact that, you know, the relationship that she had with Finn felt weird to me, I definitely appreciated her as a character. And she felt like someone who really was helping Finn keep his shit together at a time Mm -hmm. where he needed it. Yeah, she held him accountable. And it's like, no matter what, whether you like her cheesy lines or not, she kind of became a very important character for Last Jedi. Well, she gives... I'll put it to you this way. She gives Finn his full arc in the last film. Where Finn, in the beginning of Force Awakens, like, there's no real explanation for why all of a sudden this stormtrooper decides to be... to turn completely against everything that he's known his entire life, right? It seems very sudden when he decides to help Poe. And sure, they seem to like each other enough, but it's just... it doesn't... The, you needed that middle chapter and you needed a character like Rose to bring him to the point where at the end of this film, he's essentially a, a co-general. And, <laughs> That's and, right. And, you know, we talked about the Han Solo comparison in a lot of ways, and that is true. Like, he starts off as somebody who did not want to be there, had zero interest in really helping this resistance at all, and is now going to be considered a resistance general and one of the most important pieces to all of this. To the point where he's almost ready to die by the end of the movie. Like, he's expecting to die in the final battle. Yes. Which and he was also in Last Jedi. And one of the reasons why Rose was such an important character is that she saves him from killing himself. Well, that's when he realized he's hero time, baby. <laughs> and, so, yeah. Know, my, my big thing is, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but one of the things that really bothers me, and I've noticed this in rabid fan bases... Is that when people hate a character, they go after the actor. To the point where the girl that played Rose Tico like just got off of um, social media altogether. And let's be totally honest. There is a complete racial and you know gender aspect to all of this. There's sexism involved in that. There's racism involved with that. Unfortunately, nerd culture is very, very chauvinistic very white oh damn using I the hate w say, words i hate to say it but you know it's it's essentially well, i gotta bring race into it there's there's a lot of it's what we talked about last time with ray right there's a lot of problems where people don't like 
people have turned. There's a certain subsection of fans that have turned against the Star Wars franchise under Disney because they feel like they're forcing diversity, right? And we and then about they turn to Star Trek because that's a good story <laughs> <laughs> of not forcing socialist leftist ideals. <laughs> But it, yeah, unfortunately, that's one of the things that, especially this new trailer, this new trilogy is Martin, and I'm all about hating characters, but don't hate the person portraying them unless they're shit. You know, like that's when you get mad at the filmmakers, at the writers, the people that put out shitty lines, like whatever it was. Rose Tico said that I said cringe was cringy as shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like. I don't know. I, I, I'm just, that's one of the things that really let me down is I hated seeing that the actors were the ones that kind of had to fit the bill for nerd rage, you know? Yeah. But, I mean... Which, the, the other thing, too, is I just don't think that J.J. Abrams cared... This wasn't a J.J. Abrams character, so he just wasn't really interested in telling her story any further than the last film. Yeah. That's, it, that's really what it felt like. Yeah, yeah fair. Um, so... Another thing that we discover in this film after the Force Light... Well, the Force... So, this Force Lightning comes about because once they find them on this... Uh, the First Order finds our heroes on this planet, they capture Chewbacca. Yep. Which and pisses off Ray to the point where she It pisses murders. me off, too, because the only reason why they find Chewbacca is because Ray can't stop fucking staring into space this entire movie... Where she's like having conversations with Kylo, and she's essentially. But putting, you love that in Last Jedi. Why does it bother you here? Maybe because in the Last Jedi, she was alone for that entire film. Whereas in this film, it's like her putting everyone else in danger by doing all this. She put dumb people shit. in danger in the Last Jedi. She's putting people in way more danger now than she was in the Last. I know film. you're right because she does in the middle of like firefights. <laughs> but I'm like, don't forget the part where she shot at Kylo and almost killed those weird nuns. On that weird planet she True. was on. Yeah, she's definitely been reckless, but she's never been as, like, irresponsibly irritated. Stupid. Yeah, it's just, unfortunately, like, I feel like her character is suffering from making poor choices in this film. And that's one of them, because first she gets Chewie captured, and then all of a sudden this movie is almost trying to tell you for a moment... That she killed Chewbacca Fucking by cowards. using force lightning to blow this ship up. And I had Fucking friends... Fucking cowards. Because I watched this days later, I had people who were warning me that this film was going to make me cry. Spoiler alert, nothing in this film made me cry. Yeah. That... Um, it, it, it really never pulled that kind of emotion out of me. And the idea that they were going to try to kill Chewbacca in this way before I even like thought it could be like a fake or a fake out, I was already annoyed by it because I'm like, okay, well, how do you expect us to like her now? And that and that's why I'm saying cowards, because I really, really fucking thought that they were going to pull the trigger on turning Ray evil. Yeah, which I would have been. I would have saw it coming, but I would have, I would have totally, felt that would have been more interesting for her. Well, not just that, because the other thing that this movie is starting to push at the very same time that Ray has been... They're pushing Ray to find out that she's a Palpatine. You discover in this movie that one of the things about Finn is that Finn is Force-sensitive. Mm-hmm. Very much like our heroes from Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know... Talking uh, about the monks? Yes. Uh, I'll like... Shiru and... Ba? Yes. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, Ba, Ba... I'll look it up, but you you keep talking. You make your point. 
Right, but that's what I mean. Is like the, that's one of the things that to me I really appreciated because it feels like it's keeping with the kind of new Disney thing of this, where now it's like yes, there was Jedi, yes, it was Skywalker, there was all this other stuff, but at the same time, there are these other people that believe in the Force, and mm-hmm. it is something that's that feels like it's real to them. It's something that. It's more than just stupid fuck-off magic that only certain people feel and certain people know how to use. Well, another reason why I think Finn is kind of the most fleshed-out character in this entire new uh, trilogy is because, remember the the gag from, you know, Force Awakens where where he tells Han Solo, we'll use the Force, and then Han Solo looks at him and says, that's not how the Force works. And he gets super mad (laughs) because of how little he understands the Force. But that's the thing, it's like, by the end of this movie... Baze, sorry, it's Chiru and Baze. Anyway, continue. But by the end of this film, you really feel like Finn has a full understanding of this. Mm -hmm. And you also kind of get the impression that maybe that one of the reasons why he did turn so quickly... From being a stormtrooper to being, you know, a rebel is because uh, he is force sensitive and he was able to sense things that the people around him cannot sense. So what I thought what it was, because I remember, I think I mentioned it in, in, in Force Awakens, was that I thought we were going to get a stormtrooper turned Jedi with, with Finn, right? So the theory I was thinking up in my head before going into this movie was that... The la- or you know the 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 rise of Skywalker was going to be a you know a reversal a role reversal where you find out that Ben Solo had actually been trying to destroy the Sith from within. Mm. you it's revealed that Rey was supposed to be the the Sith from the beginning. That's why it was so easy for her to turn to, towards the dark side, and. Pretty much every step of the way, she 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 chose with the Sith way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in that, and I honestly thought it was it would it was gonna be Finn kind of going back to what I thought was gonna happen, where he he's actually the new Jedi, you know, where he where he finally gets that arc, um, which would have really played into what you were saying with him being force sensitive, right? But they don't choose to do that with any of these characters it feels like every step of the way they choose to go with the path of least resistance to try to like you said like walk back literally everything and that's the thing where you talked about them being cowards it really does feel like this is a movie that's too scared to do anything radically different any in any possible the reason why i appreciate the last jedi maybe more now than i did before i watched it is because regardless of how popular or unpopular it was it was a movie that dared to make choices that were different. Whereas this one doesn't feel as bold. It feels Mm-mm. very timid. It feels very scared. And it feels like they're trying to even more marvelize Star Wars. Oh my god, if you think <laughs> Star Wars wasn't marvelized, wait till the last third of the movie. So, at this point, another fuck. Another fucking side quest! This entire movie side quests! Yes. The next fucking side quest is that our heroes, right after Chewbacca gets taken by the First Order, our heroes have to go to Kijimi because I think uh, Kylo Ren steals the dagger the dagger to use as a map, right? Mm-hmm. He steals that dagger from Rey, who then, 
They ha- they find out C-3PO can't translate Sith languages, but he knows how to de- decipher them, so they have to go and get a full memory wipe on him. Yes, like he's able to, he understands what this dagger is saying, yeah. but he cannot tell it to them because there are protections in his software that don't allow him to reveal that kind of information. Blah, 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 stupid nerd <laughs> shit. So they have to go to a, what looks like a Brazilian favela planet <laughs> called Kajimi, which looks like it's constantly raining. All right, but. We get introduced to Kijimi. the best part of this fucking movie. <laughs> We literally get introduced to maybe, like, the biggest Star Wars breakout character this side of Baby Yoda, (laughs) a.k.a. the child, in uh, Babu Frick. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) Who I literally cannot stop thinking about days after I've seen this movie. He is the one shining light in the dog shit fest that we said through. <laughs> nah, I mean, he's fucking great. He's well, like, yeah, I mean... So at first I thought he was going to be just one of those like one-off characters, really annoying, but... Well, t- he is all of those things. No, he is not annoying. But he's highly lovable at this... <laughs> he's like a tiny little Russian dude. It reminded me of that scene from <laughs> The like Simpsons. A, he's like a... T- a, a tiny version of like a belligerent Russian <laughs> drunk dude. <laughs> what it made me think of was those Russian astronauts in The Simpsons that start <laughs> slapping each other. Were <laughs> Russian, Russian profanities. <laughs> like that's all I thought whenever he came on. I'm like, oh, here comes my little cosmonauts. <laughs> but he, sure, he's the one who actually will take a C3PO and do this memory wipe kind of procedure. But the other character who's with him, is a character that is, uh, I guess, I guess she and Poe have some sort of history together. Yeah, Zori Bliss, that's Poe's old, like, partner? Friend? And I guess, yeah, I guess they have some Wants sort Wants to have, of... like, a forced love interest Yeah, with? because he, like, always tells, you know, asks her about if she's feeling the magic, but... She never really is. And <laughs> no this, one is, Poe. Except this, for Finn. <laughs> well, this movie officially kills our dreams of Foe. Of Foe? <laughs> it kills our Poe and Finn fantasy. Because, essentially, both of these guys are interested in other people now. But are they? I don't know. <laughs> because they do this weird thing where in Force Awakens, you think that Poe and... I mean, Poe and Finn end up together. <laughs> you think that Finn is going to try to, like... You know, he's got the hots for Rey. Pin and foe. And then... <laughs> and then in The Last Jedi, you think it's gonna be him and Rose. And it feels like by the end of this movie, they've walked back any sort of romantic feelings anybody had for anyone in this, you know? Yeah. Which I did hear about prior to this movie coming out. Wait, you did hear about what? About them walking back like... That the they were gonna angle? move away from any kind of romantic angle. Even though they actually fall face first into Rey and Kylo Ren. <laughs> they, they felt like they did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what the hell is going on in here? Yeah, this whole movie is going in directions that I did not anticipate. Oh my god. But the, this, you know, I did... One of the things I did appreciate about this is the fact that they do kind of... Make C-3PO matter a lot for the Again. first time in a long time. Well, they're all roasting him at the same time, sure. <laughs> I'm okay too, friends. <laughs> no one asks. But I think by the time we do get to the moment where uh, 
C-3PO says, you know, I'd like to take one last look at my friends. I know. I, that, I think that was the closest I came to tearing up in this movie. Surprisingly. Like, of and, all the people to, have, to always, have the tearjerker line, right? I've always had issues with C-3PO. He's just annoying to me. Mm-hmm. And he seems like one of those characters that George Lucas probably likes and few other people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it definitely was the one moment of his in this entire franchise where I was like, oh, that, that definitely hits right here. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those things. Like this guy has been essentially by this point, he's been involved in the in the galaxy's turmoil for ninety years. Like, and he's been at the center of it. He's seen historic events, battles, deaths, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, for that to finally be wiped away from him. Yeah, it felt it felt sad. Yeah, and then those fucking cowards. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Those cowards! Again, none of this goes too far. I mean, which unfortunately makes it seem like there are zero stakes to any of this. When Endgame has more of a lasting effect on a cinematic universe than fucking your movie, you fucked up. Well, that's the thing. Endgame, Endgame, for all the things that I talked about Infinity War, I feel like Endgame had real stakes. And Endgame, Towards, yeah, and by Endgame the end of it. Endgame actually took chances and got rid of characters that people cared about. And it had lasting effects, like the, exactly. you know, the destruction of Valhalla and, and Tony Stark dying. And sure, because that was such a big major plot point in Spider-Man, which, you know, Far From Home, which we did after that, right? Yeah. Like it, it really did feel like a real lasting effect that was left by the missing of by the end of a character. This one, Chewie dies and it was sad, but it also felt sudden and rushed. And then you find out he's not dead, and you're like, well, I guess that's cool because now I don't have to hate Ray so much. Yep. And then see, three PO gets his his memories back because R two D two, and like backs up his memory files like every so often as you should as a proper consumer of electronics. I think one of the problems that I have with this too is I feel like it really does reverse. In the fact that, you know, I, I feel like Last Jedi took a lot of chances with making characters like Rose, Rey, Leia, Holdo. Like, all of them were becoming kind of leaders in this resistance movement. Mm-hmm. You know, which felt very modern. But now we have it kind of reverting into just all the guys now. You know, That's Rose what... is now in the background. Holdo is dead. Leia, unfortunately, has to pass away in this film because Carrie Fisher's not around anymore. Mm-hmm. And now we're just back to Finn, Poe, Kylo Ren, Palpatine. It's all these little boy power fantasies. It's just kind of, yeah, it, it's it's what makes this film feel like it, it just isn't doing as much for me. Mm-hmm. You need it to be cuckier. <laughs> so also one of the huge things that was cool is you find out earlier in the film that there's a spy within the first order feeding the rebellion uh information from the moment they said that i knew it was hux and i from the moment i knew it was hux i knew his motivation was that he Selfish. wanted kylo ren to lose <laughs> and i thought that was the best part <laughs> that was my favorite thing in that fucking character arc yes we already knew that hux was a bumbling idiot and all of his you know in and his in ambitions are selfish and it's just in line with the character and it's they don't he's still a piece of shit but now he's a piece of shit for the good guys and it's great so yeah hux lets the our heroes escape because they get captured trying to save 
uh, trying to save um, Chewie, right? Because they find out he's on the Star Destroyer. So essentially what happens is, I'm jumping around a little bit, but when they go visit Bliss on Kefbeer, I think is the name of the planet. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, when they end up going to this planet to have uh, our boy Babu work on C-3PO, um, Ray ends up tipping off the First Order as to where they are through that psychic link, right? So the First Order, you know, ends up attacking. So, well, they all attack the city, but, you know, they're, they're trying to search for the heroes. The heroes find their way onto the Star Destroyer end up trying to free... Um, they end up trying to free Chewbacca, end up getting captured, and then uh, Hux is actually able to save them before they get executed. Mm-hmm. He lets them escape on the Millennium Falcon, they're able to recover Rey, and off they go to that other planet I just said, Kefbeer, to find the Wayfinder, for the Sith Wayfinder, right? Which, that whole device, that whole MacGuffin is... It feels really... It feels really juvenile for Star Wars. It to me. feels so weird because they had to go get the dagger. They had to go get the dagger to get to Kef Beard, use the dagger to get the Wayfinder so that they can use the Wayfinder to get to Exegol so that they can confront Palpatine. There's another part that once we get to this planet that kind of makes me a bit uncomfortable uh, in some ways. I And I, unfortunately, I'm, I mean... I'm not one to really speak to this, I guess, in some ways, but there's a character that gets introduced as someone who was, as a child, brought in to be a stormtrooper, right? Yeah. Who is a black character like Finn, mm-hmm. <laughs> to which I was telling my wife on the way home from this movie, are they trying to make some sort of, like, like a modern day slavery thing? deal? Yeah, like... Well, no, I mean, you're led to believe that everyone that... Uh, let me see if I can find her name. But you're led to believe that everyone that's in that group... Um, Jana, that's her name. So, everyone that's a part of Jana's group are all ex-stormtroopers. Um, much like Finn. Mm-hmm. And it could just be, like, a total thing where it's just like, no, 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 this is just a... Again, Star Wars now is a world that's got people of all different races and, uh-huh. and genders. I think it was just different. one of those things that it just happened to work out like that. Mm. Maybe they thought, hey, we need to introduce more people of color. Let's have them be just like Finn and other people of color that chose to abandon the First Order. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see it does get a little... It is a little funky and, uh, I mean... I think Given it, that J.J. Abrams is a white filmmaker and that this film was written by like white script white script writers, it is a little strange. But I will I will probably just set aside my kind of side eye about it and, and assume that it's going to be that that this is more you know there's nothing more to it than don't what I'm stoke thinking. the fires of cancel cancel culture just yet, my friend. <laughs> there are other things that deserve to be canceled before Star Wars. But, you know, what I really do like about that, and it also kind of adds more more to, to Finn, right? Because like you were saying, uh, Finn felt like he was the outlier, that he was weird. Was he the one that didn't fit in the system? The, fist, the system of the First Order, the f- system of the Resistance? And it's like, to me, Jana and the rest of these um, deserters adds... Like, it, it, it solidifies his motivation. Mm-hmm. And to me, even, it kind of brings his 
his um, arc full circle because he sees, yeah, I'm not the only one that thinks what we were doing was wrong. Regardless of being raised as a stormtrooper since a child, right? Besides being a fucking child soldier, he knew inherently that the First Order was evil. So it's like, it just kind of brings him, it like really um, validates why he did this to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're on Kef Beer. Which apparently is an ocean planet. We're on craft beer. We're on craft beer. <laughs> and there is the ruins of the Death Star, which we're led to believe is the first Death Star, have landed on this ocean planet. And for some reason, there are waves that yes. are like at a standstill. <laughs> it feels like that planet, if you've ever seen... Interstellar, the Chris Nolan film. Mm -hmm. There's that planet where they feel like they're standing in the ocean like it's a waiting pool. And yet, like, once they get to a certain point in this planet, they see this giant wall of water that's just sitting there still, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that is what kind of... That's totally what this reminded me of. Yeah. And then, you know, they have to... In IMAX, it also looks frightening by the way oh, especially if you're someone who has like telassophobia as we both have admitted to on this show <laughs> so this is really stupid ray takes the dagger and notices there are ridges along the blade that are very conspicuous and she has the forethought to line up the ridges just right with the ruins of the fucking Death Star. And realizes that there is something on the handle that points right where she'll find the fucking sip away Which, for some reason, th- th- we're led to believe from, you know, once we do see Lando Calrissian again from, from that planet where they were at before, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The By the way, sorry, guys. Lando <laughs> appeared in this movie. <laughs> And Lando has a pretty, you know, he's got a pretty sizable bit part in this. But I don't, they, they, they try to make an allusion to the fact that this dagger and this quest for Exegol was something that Luke and Lando were kind of doing. Which Yeah, so that's the whole tie-in <laughs> with Lando, is that Lando was helping Luke investigate Exegol and trying to find a way there. But then Lando was the one that found that, that Sith operative's ship and he's and he was trying to get the information to luke for years but apparently can't get on a ship so he just stayed behind to keep eyes on it and then it's like suddenly this takes a weird mystical turn because it implies that the sith wayfinder was on the ruins this entire time because that's where it was supposed to be kept Mm. so instead of this operative taking said wayfinder he makes a dagger to show people where it is? Yes. That's so... That's... That's so <laughs> ableist word I was about to say, but that was really fucking stupid. There's a lot of... It just... It feels like something where you have to take, like, so many different jumps of logic to get to where this is going to take. Palpatine's <clears throat> La- entire plot is this. I The Last Jedi <laughs> does not do this like this. This is Oh worse. no no no, this is to the Last Jedi but like to the 10th degree. <laughs> like. It's like it's like if you I knew when I was watching this movie, 
I was like, there's no fucking way that Javi liked this more than Last Jedi. Because if he did, he would be a fucking liar. Yep, you are right. <laughs> you know my character very well, sir. Because, spoiler alert, I did not really like this movie. And uh, it was. But we do get we do get the arrival of Kylo Ren and the probably greatest lightsaber battle that he and Rey have had. Mm-hmm. You know they had that really good battle in Force Awakens, and then there was that pretty neat action scene after Snoke is killed in Last Jedi where that red room is fucking red. red. Yeah. Love it, right? So any time that you have you know Rey and Kylo in in a battle, it seems to be like the high point in terms of action. There are some really good. I'll say this: there are some really solid action scenes in this film. Oh, totally! And <laughs> the best is yet to come. But like, you know, the scene where they're fighting on the desert planet against the stormtroopers with jetpacks was fucking rad. You know, like the this fight scene that takes place is pretty cool. And what's really interesting is you you watch Rey and um, Kylo fight. And they, like, adopt each other's styles. Yep. Like, they start fighting very similarly to each other. Or... Playing off the whole dyad. Or is this a film that's trying to kind of foreshadow to you that Rey is a Palpatine? Again, I would have been okay with that. And if she went full Palpatine and went evil... Which, this this is where that famous, you know clip of her dueling holding the dual lightsaber like the the dual sided lightsaber yeah that was in this scene when she was on this death star ruins and because she, she's having the worst acid trip ever man <laughs> which i knew that thing was a dream sequence and i moment. had to be yeah. like i was i'm again because they are cowards they do not have the balls to pull the trigger on having your hero of the franchise turn evil that's it there's a lot it seems a little sudden i guess in some ways that you're gonna see after this battle is over uh ray uh kind of bring ben solo back it seems Mm -hmm. rushed i'll say that he is like almost well like flipping a light switch but I will say this: Adam Driver is good at making it as believable as this fucking stupid situation can look. Mm-hmm. And he, the only reason why I even pretend to buy it is because of his performance. Well, I also pretend to buy it because Leia dies because yeah. she reaches out to Ben Solo so hard using the Force. Okay, she yes. dies. That was confusing to me because it's essentially... <laughs> That's why she was killing the dark side with him. Does she him. possess him? So is that Leia now? Oh my god, that would have been cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Leia in Ben's body now. I'm not sure. Like It feels like it's some sort of weird possession thing, but at the same time, it's just me giving you my powers thing. And Ray now has this new ability where she's kind of like a healer child because she is able to give her own energy to help someone else like be healed. Which she does on the desert planet to that weird snake thing. And then she saves Kylo after she stabs the shit out of him. And again, I thought that was something only the Sith can do because you're, you're, you're stopping death. But it was like, okay, at this point, Fucking Rise of the Skywalker is like, hey, fuck off on anything you thought the Force can do because it can do whatever you want it to now. Like, that's all it is. Sure. And a lot of people were mad about Leia looking like she was flying a la Mary Poppins and Last Jedi. This, again, takes it and turns the dial up to 20. Yes. 
Because apparently Leia was trying to be a Jedi from the beginning. <laughs> Which, again, I wouldn't have had a problem with the stupid Mary Poppins thing. Is if they had some sort of inkling that, hey, she is actually also trained in the Jedi arts. I'll agree with that. I think I think Return of the Jedi would have been the movie to do that with. Yeah. If or you, Force if that's Awakens. That's what you were doing. Yeah. Or Force Awakens. Instead, I feel like they were very quick... To kind of regress her back into the war, you know, resistance leader again. Mm -hmm. When she should have been marrying the two, you know. But eh, it is what it is at this point. So after their... Right after their confrontation on craft beer... um, (laughs) Ray flies back to... The planet that Luke was on. And resolves herself to being a hermit just like Luke. (laughs) Super suddenly. She's just like, fuck all of this noise. (laughs) It's just like, oh, okay, all of a sudden I'm going to be Luke now. And I'm just going to go ahead and become a hermit. And just like he did. And (laughs) so even Luke's force ghost has to show up and say, hold on. Well, I'll stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you what you're not going to do. <laughs> so he stops her. And that's when the whole crazy thing where you find out Leia was also trained to be a Jedi. Where he gives her... He gives Rey Leia's old lightsaber. And now gives her the pep talk she needs to go confront Palpatine at um, Testicle. <laughs> Exegol, thank you. All the while, the rest of the heroes come up with this plan to. Well, actually, no, they don't even come up with the plan. They realize they they get a reading on Ray using Luke's old X-wing, mm-hmm. and they find out how to you know go through the Omega Four relay from my Mass Effect Two fans. <laughs> And they managed to go to this... They, they find a way to, to get to Exegol. How to, like, hyperspace through it, right? And, you know, they, they come up with this plan to be able to destroy the main antenna, communication antenna, so that the ships can't uh, jump back and start destroying planets. Because apparently every Star Destroyer now has a planet-killing gun. When we see that they destroy <laughs> Possum? Yeah. It's like they become more and more ridiculous. <laughs> Remember last time when we thought the craziest thing was to shoot, like, you know, a ship into the Star Destroyer? Yep. <laughs> and now we have Star Destroyers that all have planet blowing up capabilities. <laughs> What six-year-old just thinks of wanting to continue to add on to things? It's another thing where it's like you just want to keep raising the stakes on something. So you just make up new abilities and you make up something that's like 20 million times more powerful. That's all this is. It's literally me and like my friends playing action figures when I was growing up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, my ship could destroy planets. (laughs) And it's like there was... I don't know, I guess in the last 60 years, 30 years, Palpatine could have found out the technology to do this. I don't know. It just seemed really dumb. Mm -hmm. It seemed really dumb that all of a sudden all these ships are all, they're all essentially moving Death Stars. So, 
Ray is able to lead the way, and a contingent of the rebel forces that are left are going to be right behind her so that they can start taking out the fleet. Picking up a thread from The Last Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. Where they talked about how they sent out the distress signal, those last no few one remaining people, and nobody showed up. So what this film is going to essentially posit is that they are now reaching out to not just people who are in resistance, but everyone. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone out there with a ship. And they're like, they send Lando out into the universe to pretty much just go put out a distress beacon and be like, follow me. And I'm just like, if the, what? Lando could talk me into doing anything. (laughs) So it's like, what has the resistance done lately, aside from destroying Starkiller base, to warrant anyone to believe they can possibly succeed? Because... The you know spoiler alert the battle doesn't necessarily go as planned. Right, everything in the Last Jedi is them failing before they ultimately triumph. And same thing here is that the battle they're fighting on Exegol is essentially the, the anyone that you thought was might be a main character was getting their shit pushed in, and like essentially Poe losing all hope. To the point where Poe, almost in tears, starts apologizing and saying, I let you all down. And these are like rows and rows and rows of ships where essentially this movie is telling you that Palpatine has been spent the last 40 years like putting together this like amount of ships and all these like mysterious shadow sits that you never see. Yep. <laughs> so you're fighting 40 years worth of ships. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, they, 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 all hope is lost. And all of a sudden, here it comes in the most Marvel way possible. They, it was exactly Avengers Endgame. It was Avengers Endgame, except change Avengers Assemble to, I was it, I brought help or some shit like that. <laughs> and then Lando is, brings in everybody. The best part is instead of getting on your left, you get... Because hey! <laughs> good old Babu Frick is back, baby. <laughs> so they manage to... They find a way to destroy... Or they find a way to... um, They find a way to, to, to destroy a lot of these ships by attacking the planet-killing gun. Which Ooh. apparently is their weak point. <laughs> which is really stupid. <laughs> But then, the, you know, in order to mess up the coordination of the attacks, they have a they have a land team that was led that was going to be led by Poe and Jana, and this this part's really cool. Well, there's a lot of I'll say this: this movie is the longest Star Wars movie that's ever existed, and there's a lot of stuff that we've kind of glossed over and skipped. Mm-hmm. One meaning, you know, once we find out that Hux, the way that we found out that Hux was the Resistance mole. Is because, you know, uh, Poe and Finn were captured on, you know, one of the ships after when they were trying to go find Chewie and bring him back, right? I know, we talked about that, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, it's... There's a lot of stuff that goes on, but I did just want to mention that I love the scene where... The, the the guy that replaces Hux is like, oh, scramble their speeders. Yeah, that's the other thing. This is a guy who we've never seen in a previous film But before. he apparently he's evil, and we should be afraid of him. <laughs> he's, he's evil as all shit. But, you know, before we can really be that scared of him, he's going to fucking blow up and die anyway. <laughs> in the most comical way possible. Because <laughs> he runs towards the explosion. <laughs> 
But yeah, I love the part where like the the lander drops and then everyone comes running out in those weird horses. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And it, then it was it, it reminded me of the scene in the Last Jedi on the casino planet. Oh um, my fucking god! I, now I, I hate this part. No, but I, I mean, suddenly hate this. You know what else it reminded me of? And of Endgame? course, it always goes back to Batman. Batman but it was it gonna be Dark Knight Rises. Dark Knight Returns. When uh, when you know he leads the. That Cops, where he leads the gang of like the sons of Batman. Right? Oh, that on one. the horse. <laughs> yeah. Except the Dark Knight Rises replaced the sons of Batman with cops. Yeah, it's not as effective. Yeah, and there's something. Which, I, it's funny enough that you mentioned Dark Knight Rises because this movie is Dark Knight Rises to me. It this is movie the, is Endgame. It's Dark Knight Rises. It's ultimate. It's, it's ultimately the least satisfying chapter in a very in in a reasonably strong trilogy well a uh, a reasonably strong saga yeah (laughs) but here's the thing i think we've established if i learned anything people with star wars don't know how to end trilogies the close it is crazy to me that the most satisfying end to a trilogy has been the prequel trilogy (laughs) it is and i will go on record to say as far as ending a trilogy Revenge of the Sith has been the best. Let me apologize to George Lucas for slandering him. Daddy Lucas? <laughs> I, I so saw we. <laughs> Just kicking the dirt. I promise. I'd never say that again. Oh my god. But yeah, this whole ending scene is supposed it's supposed to give you that feeling of, you know, jubilant victory, right? So that's what's going on with all the non-Force users. <laughs> going down where Palpatine is, he's confronting Kylo. Oh, that's the other thing. Kylo has his whole turn of heart where he sees his dad's ghost. Which is a pretty emotional scene. It was good. I liked it. Which, I guess, I, I don't know. It is, he, he's not a Force ghost because he's not a Jedi. No, it's his own head. Like He even says, like, you're, you're Do just... Do you get the impression that Leia forced him to have a projection like that? I think so. Because it seems completely involuntary to me. It's because not like he even he's says forcing himself to see him. No, because he even says he goes, "You're just a memory," and he's like, "I'm a." And Ben, I mean, uh, Han tells him, "I'm a memory you chose to have." Mm-hmm. So it wasn't something that, like, I feel like that was the final push he needed. And they have the awesome end dialogue right before he kills Han in Force Awakens, but this time, him saying, "You know, um, I'm scared. I don't know if I have the strength to do what's necessary." And then, you know, Han reassures him, and instead of killing Han this time, it's him throwing his Sith lightsaber into the ocean. And all I can think of is when we were kids and we saw Barbershop, and Michael Ealy's character threw his gun into the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) And then people clapped. I wanted to start clapping when he did that. Yes, I just made a Barbershop reference talking about the Simpsons. I mean, the Simpsons, Star Wars. <laughs> You're all over the place um, right now. Yeah, it's, it's with the Christmas hangover. <laughs> uh, so, he turns he turns like that, decides he wants to go help Rey. He, he finds his way to Exegol. Um, Rey confronts Palpatine. She, it's confirmed she's Palpatine's niece. I mean, niece granddaughter. And then the when grandpa. she's... When she's ready to kill the grandpa, the grandpa <laughs> says, if you strike me down, you will become me. 
And I was like, sure, why not? Nothing else about the Force makes any fucking sense anymore. Hey, I'll say this. It's shockingly progressive of, uh, of Palpatine to want her to take over as Empress of the entire universe. <laughs> it was like, he wants her to, yeah, he wants her to become this fine, evil murder pixie. And I was like, I guess she can't kill him now? So how are you going to kill him? Because apparently whoever kills him will now be him? No, apparently she will now be him if she kills him. Oh, so Ben could have killed her no problem. I don't think so. I think this movie is positing the bloodlines thing again. Is that the only reason why she becomes Palpatine is because she is blood. She is a member of his family. I'm going to shoot the entire writing staff right into the sun. <laughs> I'm going to shoot them and start destroying. I'm pretty sure that this this movie feels this the most so like the midichlorians universe oh than every god. other Star Wars before it. My god, I forgot about midichlorians. It does not. They walked that back really fast too. They really did, but for some reason this movie, this ending is so it, not yeah. great that it brings me back all the way to stuff I did not like in the series. Oh before. my god! So they that, do this thing where, like, Ray and Palpatine. Well, Palpatine says that he has all the Sith in him, and <laughs> that's a lot of Sith. <laughs> Must and be then, loose, boy. <laughs> and then Ray is like hearing all these like voiceovers from like characters from every single Star Wars before then, including Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen. I so wanted him to be like, well, hello there. <laughs> was it? it was her. It was her, right? Not Kylo? No, it was her. Yeah, She's yeah. the one that hears yeah. every single Jedi who appeared in the prequel trilogy, including Ahsoka from the Clone Wars animated series, and... Uh, whoever Freddie Prince Jr. plays. <laughs> so she hears all these characters' voices um, and she's using the lightsabers that the that the Skywalkers gave her and she's able to deflect um, deflect uh, Palpatine's Force Lightning, which is powerful enough to just almost destroy every ship that the rebels have. Mm -hmm. And she reflects it back at him, killing him, but somehow not becoming a Sith Lord. Even though the whole point was that she couldn't kill him. Was it because she didn't kill him out of anger? And kill him out of love? Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> Meanwhile, Ben Solo... Well, I guess she dies right after, right? Yes. Yeah, so she dies right after, so maybe that's why she doesn't... I think that's him? the loophole in all of this. Because she died? <laughs> well, Ray brings Kylo back, so then Kylo returns the... Or Ben returns the favor by bringing Yeah, he's Ray Ben back. by now. Oh, by the way, before this, Ben confronts his old buddies, the Knights of Ren. <laughs> Guess what? Those fucking jobbers don't do shit. They, they essentially turn what Javi was really looking forward to in the Knights of Ren to the fucking putty patrol from Power Rangers. <laughs> Just fucking all got punched in their stupid chest and exploded. 
exploded. And not just any put, not not even the original putties that like took effort to kill, but those season three putties where like they had the Z on their chest, so every single time you just socked them in the chest, they blew up. And, and it was so stupid when they found out that was their weak point. And then like every week they had to like to rediscover this. <laughs> It's it's so stupid. It's like J.J. Abrams forgot he even mentioned the Knights of Ren to begin with. It was like, oh shit. Well, you talked about it when we talked about Force Awakens and Lost, right? That J.J. Abrams is good at creating all these threads that kind of never get... They are not satisfying at all. And that's exactly what happens. And all I can do is yell coward at the top of my lungs. And I, yeah, unfortunately, again, this is another one of those things where this movie just, George Lucas looks like a mastermind in comparison. And I'm talking later day George Lucas. Yes. <laughs> when Revenge of the Sith is your fucking magnum opus. Because that's the thing. Okay. Fucking Ray dies. Rise of the Skywalker means, hey, Ben Solo is going to adopt the Skywalker name and bring back the Jedi. It only makes sense. And instead, those fucking cowards decide to have him kill himself while making out with the dead girl. <laughs> or I, Okay, I'm like paraphrasing what happened. But he brings back Rey and is alive just long enough to kiss her and then dies. <laughs> and I was just like, why? You are in a great way to, if your whole thing is about like, if your entire like thread of this is like people being able to redeem themselves and become better mm-hmm. like why not ben be the person to rise and finally accept his role as a skywalker and do what he was meant to do which is reestablish the jedi order and it's like no you you fucking double back on that super hard and i get it like ray is a fun character you love her i love doing impressions of <laughs> but it's like I'd argue that this movie killed a lot of what I liked about Ray before. Yeah, it this really did. This movie spent did. a lot of time undoing all the things that made me really appreciate Ray in the last film. And she find and again we weren't wrong. She ends up becoming a Skywalker in the end. She adopts the last name Skywalker and goes back to Tatooine where it all started for a little farm boy. Back in 1974. <laughs> no way, I've got my mouth. 77, shut up. I can't math. And, you know, she turns the sight of Owen and Baru's death, pretty much, to the new... Uh, it's assumed that's going to be the new site of the Jedi Temple. Yeah, there's nothing satisfying about this. It's one of those things where it, it feels like it's supposed to be something that you care to see. But it just doesn't... The only way that this even possibly remotely works for me is if we're now saying that Jedi are never coming back. Yeah. We're never going to go back to Jedi. And I was telling my wife that the only way this works is that if Skywalker is a title and no longer a last name. Mm-hmm. I That makes sense. If yeah. you're talking now about like it being, okay, well, they're not Jedi anymore. This is something different. These people can fall in love. These people mm-hmm. can... You know, we're not monks. We're not, you know, pr- protectors of some weird senate. 
we are now like you know people who are protecting you know who are helping to resist against tyranny mm-hmm. in the universe and all that kind of stuff maybe that's what a skywalker is uh-huh. but it's not clear enough to really tell you that and there it really t- feels like they're copping out and doing exactly what i did not want them to do and that is ray is a skywalker and she learned nothing from the last 60 years of the jedi being ineffective Nobody ever learns that in this series. So, guess what? The next fucking trilogy that comes up is going to be the Jedi fucking up again. I can't fucking wait for like the next 25 years when we get our next Star Wars trilogy that's going to be like literally a new resistance and a new evil empire. I want the Jedi to be the evil ones. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I want at this point. I want somebody to call them out on being shit. Like, it's, oh my god. It was just the the least satisfying end to any, like, Star Wars chapter, I think. It's fucking bizarre. It Mm. was just, they, they, it was just, all I can say is they, they were cowards. Alright, so you already know my opinion on it. Yeah. Javi, did you like Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? I, you're gonna watch it because it's Star Wars. Chances are you're not gonna like it. I did not like it. Like, I maybe I maybe have to rewatch the movie to find something I like. Again, just like Last Jedi, there were things I liked. Action scenes were fantastic. The war felt like a war, just like in Rogue One. Babu Frick, <laughs> fucking amazing. Like Star Wars, I think is really. Hey, hey! This has been like a real a banner year for Star Wars side characters. Yeah, like it's fucking crazy <laughs> to me. Like between and and I don't know if that's like the new trend because we loved K two in Rogue One. I forgot what um and I, you know what and I feel like they kind of did the K two thing here with you know uh, with three PO, but they again they did not have the balls to just stick with it. Part of why. K2 That's right, will yeah. always be remembered and loved is because they had the balls to fucking kill him and it was permanent. They made you love him. They made you like they made you know, he had the funny lines where he slapped uh Diego Luna. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet rebel scum. And then, you know, they the the part where he saves Jin and says Honestly, know. I feel like the next great chapter for this series isn't really on film for the next little while, and it will be on Disney Plus. Yeah. I feel like there is I feel like the entire setup between what was it, Jana and uh, that scene that she had where she was talking about how she doesn't know where she comes from and she mm-hmm. was saying it to Lando. And Lando was telling her, Hey, maybe we should find out where your parents are. Oh my god, that is such a to me, it just felt like that was them setting up, hey, she's probably going to have a series. That's what it was. That's yeah. honestly what that was. It was just, they should have just looked right at the fucking camera and just given you a big shit-eating grin and thumbs up. Big yeah. thing! But, you know, Mandalorian so far, I'm not fully finished with it, so I can't give you a review of it. But I can say that the first four episodes that I've seen, I like it. I'm yeah. a fan of the show. I pre- I do like the kind of explosion of popularity for the child. <laughs> mm-hmm. It really sucks because the guy that plays Mandalorian, I forget what I forget the actor's name, but he was the 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 serpent guy from fucking 
Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. He played Javier, the amazingly named Javier, from <laughs> Narcos season one and two. And it's like the the DEA agent, if you guys haven't seen it. And it's like he's a really good actor, but he's playing second banana to Baby Yoda. Well, he's also like covered from his face, right? Which and is... you know what? That's one of the, another strong point of the movie. Uh, I mean, of the movie of the series. Yeah. So honestly, yeah, Mandalorian is fucking fantastic. You guys should check it out. Like, if you got Disney Plus, if not, you know, fucking download it illegally. Fucking Disney. <laughs> Disney is owns not... everything. <laughs> no one said that. No one said that. <laughs> alert! Alert! Time to walk it back. <laughs> You're um, trying to you're trying to fucking censor me, man. <laughs> I have my Disney Plus subscription, and I happily continue to subscribe to it. <laughs> yes, we thank our corporate overlords. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I've said that, I've said this throughout the entire review, but I obviously did not like this movie. It is the weakest of the three in this new trilogy, and it it really is a high. I will say a giant disappointment because, unfortunately, I was once I knew they were going to go back from a lot of the things that they tried in Last Jedi, I knew that this movie was going to be disappointing mm-hmm. in one way or another. Um, and, you know, I will say this, much like you said, I do will probably need to give it time and I want to see if I can revisit it again in six months or a year. Mm-hmm. And then, then I will probably have a more honest assessment of what I thought. This is my raw opinion of what this movie, you know, came off as to me right now. But I may feel totally different if I come back to it in a year. And if we do get our Star Wars, you know, a new a Star Wars story coming at some point soon, maybe we will be around to review it. Uh, my understanding is the franchise on film is scheduled to take a hiatus at this point, so... We will see when the next Star Wars film is announced, and I think for now, the next chapter of this franchise really will be, again, a streaming service only uh, series. But if there is good quality of Mandalorian, then I'm all for it. Give me more droids, fuck it. That's the only thing that these bastards have done right. Give me a Babu Frick and... the and K2 and Babu Frick <laughs> team up. Like a Space Buddy Cop series. <laughs> I would actually pay money for that. I want to watch that. (laughs) Alright, so, uh, yeah, thank you for joining us for this episode. Thanks for joining us for the Star Wars series. And uh, we appreciate you guys, you know, sticking through us throughout this entire year. I'm very excited for what the year 2020 holds for us. We are going to step into another franchise this year, next year, um, for the early part of the year. Because in April we are going to get No Time to Die. I believe it is the 25th James Bond film. Mm-hmm. Now, we are not going to review all 25 Bond films. That's a lot of fucking movies. <laughs> we barely made it through nine Star Wars movies. But I am going to single out uh, the best and worst of each uh, Bond that we've had. So I'm going to We're pick... talking Dalton and Connery yeah. and Brosnan. And I'm going to pick out the best and the worst of those Bonds, and we will be watching them as part of this series leading up to No Time to Die. And, if it's possible, we will try to get through as many of the Daniel Craig Bonds as we can leading up into the film. I'd say that this series, as opposed to Star Wars, which we were able to spread out throughout you know, about nine months, 
this is going to be a lot shorter amount of time. So there's going to be overlap. Like the new movie is going to come out, and then we might still do a few more Star, a uh, few more 007 films oh, after. Oh fuck that. yeah! The next like twelve <laughs> episodes aren't going to be fucking James <laughs> Bond movies, y'all. But uh, we also want to continue doing. We want to make sure that we do at least one horror movie a month. Um, we have fun with horror, guys. We've got yeah, we've gotten some of the best positive responses to this show from the horror movies that we've done, and we're gonna you know continue doing our holiday horror next week. So last week, you know, a couple weeks ago, we did Black Christmas, which was a great episode for us to get into. And next week, we are gonna do a film that neither one of us has ever seen, but that is infamous to me because of that Halloween Twenty Five Years of Terror documentary, and that is New Year's Evil, which is a copycat horror movie to Halloween, another horror movie centric horror film. And uh, we'll be reviewing that in our next episode. So uh, please join us on our next episode and continue to support the show in 2020. Follow us on IG, Do We Like Movies Pod. Follow me on Twitter at hateful underscore Javi <laughs> with a J. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks. Later, turds.